Good morning, everyone. So this week I saw a meme. Uh, I think it was posted by Chris or Marie Eakin. They are very talented with memes. Um, anyway, it said 2020 commemorative candle on the top. And then there was a picture of a little dumpster with a candle burning inside. Um, you know, the 2020 dumpster fire. Uh, I thought it was hilarious and also uh, very fitting. We have been through so much this year from COVID to the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and some and many others to riots and murder hornets um, to lots of other strange and terrible events. And also like, I can't even remember them all. Uh, someone mentioned the fire, the forest fires of Australia um, recently and I had completely forgotten about them. I don't even know if they've been put out yet. I should probably check on that, but um, you know, with all of this, that commemorative candle felt really cathartic to me. Um, it has been an exhausting time. And I don't know if you guys are feeling this, uh, and please don't get mad at me for admitting it, uh, but I'm really having a hard time summoning enough energy to care about COVID-19 again. Um, like I do care and I wear my mask, but I'm just tired, you know, and probably traumatized. I'm sure many of you are too. There's been so much fear and isolation and major transitions like in work or loss of work or having to go to work knowing that it's dangerous for your health. For parents, the exhaustion of being trapped at home with your kids for so long, um, often while trying to work. For singles, just the incredible loneliness. For elderly people and other at-risk folks, that feeling of just of being trapped in your house we've seen lots of beautiful things in this time too, as people have pulled together um, to bear it together. It's, there's been really beautiful things, but it has been rough. And now it's getting long too. It's just starting to feel so long. So it's not so surprising that alcohol sales are way up and Facebook and Netflix are showing record usage. We're coping and that's okay, you know? For me, I, have been coping largely through tons and tons of novels, almost all of them post-apocalyptic. Um, some of them have been valuable and some of them have been total drivel. Uh, and I'd be embarrassed to even tell you what they were. So I'm not going to. Um, and that's, that's okay, right? We've got to get through this and there is grace and space for all of this. But lately, Tony and I have been reassessing how we've been coping because we're recognizing that there is an incredible temptation to zone out rather than to really live and rather than to really rest well. And we want more. We think we are called to more than just passing the time. So I wanna talk a bit about Sabbath, not just as a day, but as a rhythm to life. I, I totally love that God, um, that God commanded a Sabbath. It seems like such an incredible kindness, especially now in a capitalist society. And we can't even stop when a global pandemic hits without the risk of completely imploding. We are so go, go, go. And our culture decides what we're worth based on how much we produce, as if we were machines rather than humans. But that is not the way with our God. Our God insists that we stop and rest regularly. And we find the Sabbath command in the Ten Commandments, both in Deuteronomy and in Exodus, 
in both places, it's the only command that comes with a reason, but the reasons are different. In Deuteronomy, it's based on God having set Israel free from slavery. Basically, it says, do not work one day a week because you are not slaves anymore. Rest because you can. You are free. And that's a word that still needs to be said, right? To students, to employees, to parents who feel guilty for not taking or for taking time to themselves. It is okay to stop. You are not a slave. Rest. In Exodus, which we read this morning, the Sabbath command is rooted in God's creation of the world. God rested, and so we also ought to rest. Rest is woven into the fabric of this world. Everyone and everything gets to rest. One day every week and elsewhere in the law, we find one year every seven. And that same rhythm finds expression in the ways that God ordered creation. Every winter, the land rests, and without that rest, it would not produce in spring. And every night, we rest too. And without that sleep, we would die. Whether we are taking a Sabbath or going to bed at night, in either of those spaces, we are forced to admit our limits, our dependence, our creatureliness. We, were, we are reminded in those moments that we are not in control and that the world goes on even if we stop. But even with a chance to practice it every night, we are still not that good at it. Um, our culture has created innumerable ways for us to do nothing without actually resting. Um, just like we've invented lots of foods that will fill our stomachs without actually nourishing us. You know, a bag of chips once in a while is fine. It's easy and it tastes great. It might make you feel sick. A habit of doing it is gonna hurt your health and a lifetime will kill you. In the same way, I think most of us know that it feels gross to spend hours mindlessly scrolling through Facebook and binging on Netflix doesn't really refresh us. A bit can be great and too much can suck the life right out of you. Same with alcohol. Sharing a drink with a friend can be lovely and life-giving but the more we use it to numb out, the more destructive it becomes. I think you probably already know on the other side of this, the things that nourish you on a deep level. And for me, it's going for walks, reading beautiful words, spending time in prayer, cooking slowly, paying close attention to the beauty of what I'm making, being creative with my hands. They are all, these are all deeply restful for me. I feel, it's like I feel it in my body. Today, or Tony and I have, uh, we often use the word recreation, but we break it down and say recreation, because um, real rest remakes you, it recreates you, it makes you whole again. But, but like food that nourishes you, it takes just a little more energy and discipline to engage it. And so it's easy to turn to something easier. You know, this is a really intense season and we all need to zone out sometimes. I don't want to make anybody feel bad about that. But it, there also comes a time when we need to stop zoning out, shake off the stupor and return again to life. Zoning out will take us further from the fray always, right? Because it doesn't nourish us. It doesn't enable us to enter back into life. But real rest will help us get back into things. It'll, it will allow us to keep on caring about COVID-19 and to continue fighting racism even when the fervor has died down. We have to rest 
so that we can stay engaged. And there are lots of studies that point that out, you know, showing that we're way more productive when we're rested. But again, that's not the best way to think about rest. As if Sabbath were only in service to more work. It's not really what God's rest is about. Um, in his book, Soil and Sacrament, um, Fred Banson makes the point that in scripture, rest is an end in itself. It's not a means to more work. He points out that in Genesis, the seventh day is the culmination of all of God's creative work. It is the moment that God stops and enjoys what God has made. Our rest is not so that we can be better cogs in the machine. It is a turning away from the things, from the ways of empire that we might remember that we belong to God, that everything that we have is gift and that we are invited to delight in those things. It is one way to practice the peace and joy that we will find in the new creation. So today I wanna to challenge you um, to take just 15 minutes to engage the world in a truly restful way. Um, if you've been zoning out these days, uh, I'd like you to take 15 minutes to turn to delight. Don't be productive. Do something beautiful or quiet or do nothing at all. Just look at the sky, nap or have sex, eat something delicious and pay close attention to what you're eating. If you haven't connected with God for a while, I would suggest this. Set the timer on your phone for 15 minutes and then put it out of sight. And then breathe deeply and repeat to yourself with every breath, be still and know that I am God from Psalm 46. I did this a couple of days ago and I think I could do it every day for the rest of my life without it finishing its work on, on me. It calms and soothes me even as it emboldens me. It helps me to find the firm foundation under my feet. If you have a baby and all this stuff sounds totally impossible to you, you could try sitting on the floor and just looking at your baby. Don't try and do something else or do some educational activity or direct your baby's play. Just sit there and look. Look at your baby's ear and chubby little arms and thank God for those things. Do that for 15 minutes or get a babysitter. If you have older kids, um, you could try letting them teach you how to play. Kids know how to do this really well. You could run through the sprinkler or jump on the trampoline. Um, I uh, always, not always, often say no to Oscar when he asks me to jump on the trampoline with him. Um, but I did, I said yes the other day. And it was so fun. I was shocked at how much fun we had. Um, you could let your kids teach you. If you are a person that has trouble sitting still, this is especially for you. Rest takes practice, and sometimes, if you haven't made a, a habit out of it, it can even be painful, but it is vital. Maybe you'll find out that you have to cry. So that's okay. Spend 15 minutes crying without trying to understand it or fix it or make it stop. Rest even in that sadness. Overwork and zoning out alike, they can hold the world at bay. They keep everything at arm's length they will never restore us. They just pass the time. And then after today's exercise, if you don't trust yourself to do it, you can stop this video right now and just do it right now and then come back to me. Um, 
After today's exercise, I'd encourage you to spend some time assessing your rest and your work and your zoning out and the balance between those things. Um, pray about what you can lay down and what you can pick up. In our conversations, Tony and I have decided to cut down our drinking a bit. Um, not entirely, just a bit. Um, we've decided to put our, kid, our kids to bed earlier. Uh, we'd been letting them stay up because it was easier than all the fights of bedtime. But the easier route was also sucking up our time for rest in the evenings. Um, so that was an important decision for us to make. Uh, I also got rid of my drivel novels um, and turned to something that's just a little bit more difficult but far more nourishing with the resolve that if I'm too tired to read that, I can just go to sleep. And let's not forget um, in all of this that our truest rest is found in God. Sometimes prayer can be frustrating or tiring, but as we learn to receive God's good gifts, we find our deepest rest there. I'm not meaning to add something more to your already busy life. This is grace. It's an invitation. Um, at the end of her book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, Tish Harrison Warren, she asks the question, what if Christians were known as the countercultural community of the well-rested, people who embrace their limits with zest and even joy? Reading that feels like such deep permission to take a break. And then right on the heels of that relief comes guilt. How can I say it's okay to rest when the world is in chaos? And I was helped by another writer this week who said, the world needs, gener needs the generosity of well-rested people. The truth is that all the destruction and the injustice of this world is based on one simple lie, that we could be like God. All sin, domination, oppression springs from here. And rest, whether it's the Sabbath or a much needed nap, requires that we admit that we are not God. We do have power, but we are limited. And the further that we get from that lie, the more we can recognize the truth, that we are God's beloved, that this whole world is God's delight, that the cross has shown us that God will stop at nothing to get to us and to pick up all the broken pieces of this place, and that that is in God's hands and not ours. And that this whole place, no doubt bearing the mess and pain of the lie, is still so much more beautiful and whole and good than it is ugly. Even when we pave over the beauty of God's good creation, the wildflowers still find a way to bloom in the cracks. And they will eventually overtake the concrete. You cannot stamp out the goodness of God. So instead, let's delight in it. Open our eyes, not just to the horrors of this world, but also to the beauty. Rest. Breathe deeply of God's goodness. You were not a slave, and you were made for this. Please pray with me. Lord, I pray for everyone who um, watches this video or listens to this sermon, or to the audio, that they would find rest and that they would especially find their rest in you. That you would uh, nourish them 
and strengthen them. And that as they take their 15 minutes today or more, um, that they would find some healing and wholeness in it. Thank you so much for your goodness that you call us to take a break, that you are not a slave driver. But you invite us into wholeness. Lord, may we see that goodness as we look out into the world this week. And may our draw to that goodness be part of our fight against injustice. Lord, teach us how to, how to seek after your kingdom and your righteousness. In ways that are beautiful and truthful and whole. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.